Father, thank you for today. Help me. Let us see this season of Advent afresh. And let us, myself especially, slow down for a few moments and see what you would have for us in this season. Thank you for today. And thank you for the ability to be, be together. In Jesus' name, uh, amen. Um, I was going to say iPad because my iPad is not working. So I'm going to preach off my phone. So I don't want to distract you. I'm not checking football. There's nothing to check for the Niners. They're losing already, I'm sure. So here we go, okay? You like that? It's not the, I know. Fair enough, fair enough. Advent. That's kind of a confusing turn sometimes, and I'm a pastor, right? I'm here to tell you Advent is not Christmas. They're different. Advent, or the season of Advent, or the four Sundays we celebrate Advent traditionally or historically as a church, literally means the coming or the arrival. Good band names. Any musicians? Be the arrival. It's probably already taken. But what I'm trying to tell you is the church throughout history used to celebrate a 12-month church calendar. And they would retell over and over year after year the story of Jesus. Okay? After Advent, some of you might know Epiphany. And then we get into the, we would call the Easter seasons. And then we would get into a time between, there's more, there's more things to it, but a long waiting of celebrating Messiah. And as we get closer, we come to the season of Advent. We have an Advent wreath type thing. And throughout the service, I'm going to light the first candle because I want to kind of explain what it's about. And today we focus on hope. And there's themes that maybe more contemporary the church has picked up. But today, hope. And so when we sit down and look at Advent, I don't want us just to think Christmas. We live in a postmodern world, maybe even post-Christian here in America, and we generally, even in the church, lump those two together. How many high-tech people do we have in here? How, who loves technology? Don't lie, you're in church. I love technology. How many of you have been affected by technology? All of us, right? Advent literally means traditionally and biblically, we'll get there, a season of patiently waiting. How many people like me hate to wait? Don't lie, you're in church. <laughs> How many people like me think when I'm waiting, I'm doing nothing? <laughs> How many people like me, when that happens, your OCD starts firing, going, I'm wasting time. The rest of you, bless you, you can train us and disciple us, but you're lying in church, it's okay. The point is, when we, in our culture as Westerners per se, maybe not all Americans, but people of the West will say it that way, technology, and we have a really bad understanding of being patient and waiting. The Lord's people waited for centuries. And after the prophets stopped critiquing, you guys know the prophets were critics, right? Don't hate all critics. Those are good critics. They were critiquing civilization and religion and empire and way of living. And they went silent. God went silent for 400 years. And if you look in church history, we'll say church, but uh, Christian history, that's a lumping a lot in, people were ready to crown anyone a king. Because after you wait for 300 years, if anybody looks the part, I'll be like, yeah, I'm with that guy. Or gal. And as we know through the scriptures, what were God's people waiting for? Caesar, another Caesar, but with holy 
attributes. A king. They wanted him to maybe be like David, but look like Saul so he, they could, he could crush the Romans. Patiently waiting for years and years. And when we come to our day, we don't wait for much. I was waiting for our advent wreath to kind of come in through the mail. It didn't come in, so I went to the store yesterday, and look what's here. It's beautiful, right? I don't wait. Why would I wait? We were waiting for extension cords yesterday because we ordered them and got a deal online, and three guys were like, why should we wait? Let's go to Home Depot. The voice of reason said, it's okay that there's not lights on there tomorrow, or that would have been last night. Let's just wait and receive the deal. That was wise, right? But my point is, We as Christians, in my estimation, I don't want to have a scathing judgment on Sunday morning, is we don't like to wait, so we tend to lump things together, and the scriptures really teach and preach the opposite. Let me try and open my phone here, sorry. I'm not texting. Let's get back to the writing here. Biblical waiting is not doing, I'll say it this way, you are not wasting time if you're patiently waiting for God to move. And that's what we have to get past. Because our culture, especially from some of our younger college students, high school, junior high, waiting and being patient is laughed at. And it's considered foolishness. Advent is different than Christmas. It's, it carries a strong theme of pro- prophetic lament and waiting. It is a time to remember as Christians that God normally works in the day-to-day little things and seldomly works in the big explosions. I'll talk to the young people back there. Kayla, you're here, so you're lucky. We, all of us, like the big bang boom, right? Boom, give it to me. I got to take... This one to a Coldplay concert a few months ago, and the first song was amazing, but was more amazing was the pyrotechnic show that the first song had. And we were both like, woohoo! And as Christians, as people who are seeking the things after Christ, we tend to want things like that. And Advent replicates the opposite. God has rarely worked like that. It's like, in the scriptures and we see these big movements and we see the fire and the cloud and the old, and Mount Sinai, awesome. They're true. They're true accounts. But in the lives of people, especially post-ascension, Jesus goes back to heaven, he usually works in what we would call the mundane. He uses prayer, meditation on his scriptures, contemplation, and he weaves his hand through our lives. And Advent, or this season, is a time to not only remember what he's done in our life through those very events, but also seek him in a new way. Lord, I want to see what you're doing. Because is God always moving? The scriptures attest. He is moving every day. He does what he wills. He will not be stopped by any candidate who wasn't or was elected. He will not be stopped by any dictator who just died or didn't die. He will work. But it's our call as people to live obedient lives and really slow down enough to see where he is what? Working. To see what he's doing. I'm going to give you a couple of examples from the Bible. That's good, right? Go to the Bible. Let's put up Luke 2, 8 through 10. Go to 9. Luke 2, 9. Russ read this. 
We know the story, most of us. If you don't know the story, there was a baby about to be born, and he was on his way. And his parents, um, mom became pregnant via the Holy Spirit by God himself, was carrying the God-man Jesus, and the dad was a good man who wanted to protect the reputation of this one who was with child, and there was a census, and they were moving to his place of birth so they, sh- they could be counted, all fulfilling prophecy. And the night in which it was to happen, we get Luke's rendering of what was given to him. And an angel appeared of the Lord to them. This is to shepherds, to these people who represent these guys. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, much brighter than anything we have here, and they were filled with fear. You think? Yeah. What do shepherds do? What do they do? They just watch. I'm a good shepherd right now. You see me? Walking around. Now, if danger comes, they act. But what is the main job of a shepherd? To observe. That's it. Scan the horizon. I know what wolves look like. I know what other predators look like. I know what bandits look like. I know what bad guys look like. I know what my good guys look like. The sheep know my voice. We can't rip that too much out of context because John 10 is mostly about Jesus, the good shepherd, right? And we hear his voice, those of the faith who have the spirit, who can be guided by him. But the shepherd watch. Night after night. What happens at night? Not much. Usually only bad, so once in a while there might be an encounter with things that aren't right. But night after night they watch. I was up early a couple days ago because I just couldn't sleep, so I went and saw the sunset on the Bay Trail. On my phone it said the sun was going to rise at 7.01. I got there at 6.37. I could barely wait 24 minutes. That's how bad I am. It was cold. It was beautiful. Even God's beauty almost had me get back in my car. But I couldn't even wait 20 minutes to see the sunrise And yet we see shepherds in the field waiting night after night. Now the stars are glorious when we can see them, right? When when you don't have lights and cities and civilization, if you just get out and look at the stars, you can go, I'm with this. But two years, eight years, ten years, fifteen years, fifty years and dying, my point is these men were watchmen. And they were doing the same thing over and over. And what happened? The Lord spoke. And for that moment, they had the fireworks. But that wasn't normal. That was supernatural. And as Christians, what I want to challenge you with as your pastor is don't simply look for the supernatural during Advent or or Christmas or Easter. Let God work supernaturally through your obedience in the normal. Pray every day. If you don't pray... Take these four weeks to get up and say a two-minute prayer. Lord, let me see what you're doing. Forgive me of the things I need to be forgiven. We learned the Lord's Prayer. Provide for me today what I need, and let me be a blessing and salt and light to others today. Because Jesus is smart. Don't necessarily pray for tomorrow, because tomorrow has enough trouble of its what? Own. You'll get there, Lord willing. If you wake up, pray that prayer. If you don't, I'm challenging you this Advent season Just read the four Gospels. you got four weeks. Read one a week. Read about this Christ man who came. 
And this was supernatural. This was the fireworks. But God appeared to watchmen in the night. This is a metaphor, folks, for us. It's not just the checkoff. God appeared to those who were just doing their job, who were watching. Verse 10. The angel said, relax, it's all good. God's breaking in. Don't be afraid. Great news and great joy for all people. Now God is breaking into an oppressed, tyrannical, wicked culture. How long have oppressive, tyrannical, wicked culture been around since Cain was, since Cain killed Abel? That's how long. It's always been that way. So God is breaking in, and this is amazing, so remember this, and God can do that in our lives. Now we know God is sovereign, we, go, we know God is not, what's the, what's the genie's name from Aladdin? Anybody? Remember that movie? Is it genie? Thank you. God is not the genie. God is the sovereign king who is good, and in his providence, his plan comes to fruition, and he can work powerfully in the lives of his children. And he does. But go back to verse 8. I kind of did it backwards for you. But it appears he does it when we're walking in obedience. And what is obedience? Church, if you've been here regularly, we studied obedience for six months. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> Jesus laid it out. This is what I would have for you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. There's blessing in that life in the kingdom. And so I bring this up, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. I'm not here to trick you to go, if you keep watch over your field, God's going to appear to you with an angel. That's not what the scripture means. It simply means the shepherds who were watchmen were doing their due diligence. We're living in the mundane. We're obedient, we'll say, if you want to go all the way with the metaphor, and boom, Jesus shows up, the long-awaited Messiah. It's amazing. We should see this in this Advent season. Today is a Sunday of hope, and that's what we hope for. We remember the great hope that was provided, Christ, on the cross for our sins. Now we're free to live in his grace and help build his kingdom. So on this first Advent Sunday, we light this candle. Hopefully it lights. I should have tested it, right? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I always have a backup. I'm about to yell, Timmy. See, this one's a child lock. I can barely, oh, everyone go, whew. So we light the candle that represents hope. Hope that was provided, but also a future hope. Again, I don't comment too much politically, but uh, our country could use some hope. Many of you think that hope was elected. Many of you are dismayed that hope was lost. That's okay. But as we reflect and as we are patient and as we maybe contemplate God's great love for us, we might be able to walk in obedience and be the hope he's calling us to be. Matthew chapter 2, guys. Another small example. Matthew chapter 2. This is the story and the way Matthew tells it. Verse 1. 
Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, quickly Matthew's trying to put out a timeline. These were real people in a real place, and he's saying Jesus was born. We've got we to reckon with that. Human beings do. Behold, wise men came from the east. They came to Jerusalem. Next verse. Saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And look at the last part of the verse. For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Most scholars and most historians believe these were pagan astrologers. Pagan meaning non-believers. But they were also watchmen who watched by night. And they looked at things. Because how many, I don't know the answer to this question, so I could be fooled right now. How many astrologers, or, and I'll say astrologers, how many of them do their business when the sun is out? Probably not many, right? So their business, <laughs> their office hours was when they could see the stars and gaze and do many things. But this verse is interesting because what does Matthew say? He records that their testimony was, for we saw his star when it rose. We noticed something amazing that had happened in the stars. And we came. It was a long journey, a couple years. They showed up later. Sorry, this isn't totally accurate and our lawn's not totally accurate. Forgive us. But these men who traveled a long way were doing their due diligence in the day-to-day or night-to-night, and God did something amazing. And again, it's a metaphor for this Advent season. Your pastor is encouraging you, if you don't pray daily, say a prayer. Contemplate life for a few moments. Contemplate what it's about. Contemplate what you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years or about and where you're going. Just take a few moments. I'm asking you to read the Gospels this Advent season. They are filled with hope and with love and with joy and with peace. And your heart, your, the, the, the true you, longs for that because we wake up and watch CNN. And we see what's happening in the Middle East. And we see what's happening in Syria. And we see what's happening in Ferguson and in our own communities, maybe here in the Bay Area. And our heart goes, what are we doing? But since we're, I'll speak for myself. It's a dead iPad now, no battery. Since I'm a techie, not really, but I'm a high-tech guy and I don't wait for much, I switch it off and go to the next thing. Now it's really broken. Christmas? No, terrible. That was, I didn't do that on purpose. Christmas iPad, maybe iPad 4. I, no, I'm kidding. I would never want any of that. But what I'm trying to get at, church, is this is a glorious time to remember and to slow down and to wait and to pray. And then what does James say? We learned that a couple weeks ago. If you do that and God guides you through his word and maybe touches your heart and you know, I need to do something. I need to call them. I know there's issues, I want reconciliation, or I need to talk to my boss. We must act on that. If you're ever, if you ever just know, you know the Holy Spirit is pricking your heart, you know you're to do it, don't be a foolish person, James says. Don't look in the mirror, then forget what you look like. Remember the metaphor. 
I'm not super spiritual, but reconciliation is coming to my mind right now. Maybe it's just a coincidence. If we need to reconcile with someone and you know the Lord is leading you, do it. Do it. Because guess what? You'll be like, I don't know, it's so hard. I don't know, it's, oh, oh my gosh. The supernatural will probably happen as you obey. And you'll probably hear the words, it's okay, I forgive you too. Okay, I appreciate you coming to talk to me. Let's work on this. Okay, I understand what you're saying. I don't see it that way, but thank you for talking to me. All those are grace personified, amen? If it goes bad, I'll I'll buy you coffee. If this conversation goes bad, we'll talk. But see the metaphors here. See the historical account of our Lord coming to earth. God the Father fulfilling his promise and then see beyond just words on a page. See Jesus. Jesus was born and it was a bang. Jesus walked around and healed people and it was a bang. It was those fireworks. Jesus taught and it was like, I have never heard anybody teach like this. The apostles were around for a season and we saw a bunch of bangs. But we didn't read about Paul doing the mundane on a ship. A little bit. We didn't read about all of Paul's house arrest in Rome for two plus years. A little bit. But what I'm getting at is don't be distracted. Don't be so, myself included, uh, 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 that we miss this glorious opportunity. Advent, hope, love, light, peace, Christ himself. Last couple minutes. I think ultimately, I'm going to guess 82 people in this room. I might be guessing high. I don't know. Maybe 83, maybe 81. If you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, we're glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I don't have all the answers, nor do the people of this church, but we'd like to talk to you about Jesus. If you are a Christian, my encouragement to you this morning is don't just come to church on Sundays or Wednesdays or during holiday events. Don't just say it's Dave's job to check off a little factual accuracy and interpret the scriptures, then I feel a certain way, then I go eat and then I go home. Take advantage of this time. All of us. I'm challenging you, pray every day in this Advent season. Even if it's this long or this long. Read the Gospels. All of us. Then as you close your Bible or hit off on your tablet or your smartphone and you start your day in the mundane, in the day-to-day, slow down enough to see where God is moving and enter as an agent of peace, hope, light, and mercy. And I'm telling you, I promise you, God will blow you away this season. He will. Now, so many of us go, I don't know what to say. Be a human. Be kind. Offer grace. Pay for someone's coffee. When someone does something nice for you, stop and acknowledge and go, thank you. Extend in hand. It's not fully the Good Samaritan, but don't cross to the other side of the street when you see a situation developing. You know what I'm talking about? Joel's there. Joel's having a rough day. Go engage.
and maybe say a simple prayer. See with the unseen. As we close, I don't even have it up here. You can put it there, but I don't even need to. Remember Nicodemus. Remember Nicodemus? A law, a Torah scholar. Maybe a professor at a law school in our day. Comes to Jesus by night, John chapter 3. We don't know why he came by night. Many believe because he was under the cover of darkness. Maybe. Maybe he had long office hours. I don't know. He shows up. Jesus, what must I do to enter the kingdom of heaven? Don't stop there. What is he really saying? You ever read into the text? Not too much. It gets weird. Cult start. We don't want that. I have done everything perfectly, and I know I'm not living for God. How do I do this? That's what he's really asking. (laughs) A perfect religious person says, Jesus, how do I enter? Remember Jesus' response? Theological. Deals with salvation and To enter, you must be born again. We know that's true. That was prophesied in Ezekiel and Jeremiah and other places. We receive by grace, through faith, a new heart, a spiritual heart. We don't live as just flesh and bones anymore. We live as spiritual people who are able to see spiritual things, not in a weird, abstract way, but literally we live as humans, not as robots programmed by, that's a whole other, I won't go there. But Nicodemus says what? Born again? (laughs) How do I enter into my mom's stomach again? Is what this brilliant scholar asked. That's funny to me, because I would probably ask the same thing, and I'm not brilliant. But he says, how do I get back into my mom's tummy? And Jesus kindly chuckles, you don't get it. You must be born of water and spirit. It must be from God, received by faith. That's what it's always been about. Church, As we close, let's not just look with physical eyes this Advent season. There is little hope in physical eyes alone. Amen? We just saw it in our country. Physical eyes ablaze for 18 months. How much hope do we have in this country? We have God's hope, and that's all we need. We'll deal with the other stuff because it's the way the system works. But let's seek God. Let's slow down. Let's be patient. Let's be a bit contemplative. Let's try and pray. Let's try and open the scriptures and let's ask God to give us the grace to see the spiritual realities this Advent season. Why don't you guys stand? I actually finished five minutes early. See, it can happen. You guys, who was praying that way? Danny was praying that way. Fair enough. And uh, I'll close in prayer. Um, Join us over across the way. There's lots of homemade soup. It was awesome yesterday. And... uh, We'll see you again soon. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this gathering. Thank you for these dear saints. Thank you for this place and this area, this region and this time. Father, thank you for the hope of this season, the hope that has come, Jesus, the God-man coming, living, fulfilling, dying, and raising so we could be received by you, clean and new and a son or daughter. But I do pray for our community. I pray for this four weeks and weeks that will go on after that, that we could truly, as a people, see with spiritual eyes, that we could slow down, that we could think and contemplate, that we could pray, that we could open your word and see you. Help us to be obedient and help us to be humble 
and help us to be kind and help us to be salt and light to a world who desperately needs it. In Jesus' name, amen.